Welcome to Redefining Reality, where we live at the intersection of wellness, business, and the birth of a global tribe. So relax your body-mind, open your heart, and recognize that we are the ones we've been waiting for. my friends. Welcome back to Redefining Reality. I'm your host, Brian Hardy of brianhardy.ca, holistic nutritionist and lifestyle design coach, or just life coach, whatever you prefer. I had someone tell me the other day that, you know, lifestyle coach doesn't really, you know, hit the mark. I don't know if that's true for you. I thought it sounded pretty cool when I came up with it, but it's all good either way. I help people to be healthy, to be vibrant, to tap into their higher truth through food, through self-care and self-love. And this week on the show, we've got a great one. This is another live edition that came from the Holistic Biohacking Series that I ran over at Alternity. And this is with my friend Clarity Bartlitz. And Clarity is a fascinating, fascinating woman. She is a yoga teacher. She is a Thai yoga massage practitioner. One hell of a body worker, I would say. If you need massage, if you want some like deep, deep um, Thai yoga or just regular massage, and you know she offers this to uh, to check it out because it's fantastic. It is fantastic. And who couldn't use more massage? Really, which of us in our lives couldn't use more massage? Regardless, we sat down to talk about her latest adventure to Guatemala, where she did a shamanic yoga 300-hour intensive in the course of a month. And it it was intense. And uh, it was quite the story to hear. And some of the highlights, including being uh, bit by a scorpion three times, um, coating herself in raw honey, and, you know being around quote-unquote wild people, indigenous people, you know, those who maintain um, that sovereignty and that ability to not care really what the world is doing and what people are going after um, in society at large. So lots of good stuff in this podcast. Our sponsor, as always, is the fantastic Audible I've gotten my most recent book from Audible. It's Letting Go by David R. Hawkins. This is the third book by Mr. Hawkins that I've gotten into. First it was Power Versus Force. Then it was Success Is For You. And now I'm on Letting Go. And uh, I think it might be the best one of all. And you can have a chance to listen to that too. Absolutely free. Absolutely free. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash Brian Hardy. And grab your 30 days of free Audible service and a free audiobook, even if you cancel after it's done, or before it's done, rather. It doesn't matter, because you still get access to that, and it'll live in your account forever. So, that's that. I hope you're doing well. Today is the vernal equinox, or the first day of spring, if you live in the northern hemisphere. And uh, i got to tell you, it couldn't come at a better time. 
I am tired of winter. A lot of us are tired of winter. We need the sun to come back. We need the warm temperatures. We want to see things blooming. We want to see green grass and smell flowers and plant gardens and all of that good stuff. And it's here. It is just about here. So thank goodness for that. And uh, without further ado, enjoy this episode with my friend Clarity. Welcome. Welcome everybody out there. Everyone who's tuning in, thank you for joining us for another edition of Holistic Biohacking. I'm your host, Brian Hardy, and we are from coming to you from Alternity, the most amazing, cutting-edge community space, vegan-friendly elixir bar, the best desserts you're ever going to find in the city. They're here, so come on and try them out sometime. And we've got a nice little live audience. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your energy and choosing. Yeah, you can, you can make some noise. You can make some noise. But... Um, Today, I'm very excited to not only catch up with an old friend, but to hear about her latest adventures. And my guest is Miss Clarity Bartlett, and she is quite the woman, and quite the yoga teacher, uh, slash medicine woman, slash goddess, slash queen of all sorts, you know, really working with all the different archetypes and embodying that and sharing that, and... You recently got back from quite a, sounds like quite an intense trip, mm-hmm. intense, um, an intense intensive in Guatemala. But before we get to that, I want to give a bit of your backstory, right? How did you paint the picture about how it is you came to be, you know, a yoga teacher, a Thai yoga massage practitioner, organizing community events, leading women's circles. There's a lot that you're up to in the Toronto area. And it's all really, really cool stuff. But I guess I want to go back a little bit further and see where did this begin mm-hmm. in your life? Where did these sorts of shifts and values start to emerge? Thank you for this question. This is awesome because I feel like I don't get enough chance to express what happened in my life. <laughs> mm. That led me to be who I am today. And I do reflect on it a lot because I think that we're all going through incredible journeys that are our own hero's journeys. And I'm always amazed. Like, I always want to know about other people's journey because I'm just observing mine, and I think it's incredible. Mm. And I think that if everyone shared their story, we would learn so much from each other. So I grew up in Switzerland, and it was very hard for me to relate to the culture there. It's quite, uh, I call it conformist. They're trying to shape everyone into a certain way by having a culture that is a little bit disapproval of anything alternative. Mm. Alternative. Um, so it was hard for me to, I always felt like I didn't belong there. I felt like a, a bit of an alien, but when you're young and you don't know anything else, you just think it's you. Mm. You think that the world is like this and you have to adapt. And so a lot of um, just feeling inadequate and, and low self of confidence rose from that and uh, but I was naturally attracted to spirituality and it's something that I'm just remembering now actually Mm -hmm. I was always craving the sense of tradition and symbols and meaning like meaningfulness in my life Mm -hmm. that I didn't have because I grew up atheist my dad was raised Catholic and he had a very bad experience going to Catholic school Mm -hmm. so he decided to raise us atheists and it didn't um it didn't allow for any alternative way to understand any sort of meaning of the world. And 
and sense of where we are in, in, in the world as a human being and me as a person. So there was this inherent need as, as a human being that was not fulfilled and I think that a lot of people can relate to that and I think that's why religion are so important in a way. But a lot of people for sure don't uh, necessarily identify with religion as much as before now because there's lots of controversies of the establishments, etc. So anyway, that was my path. I didn't have any institution. I didn't go to Catholic school on Sundays and I felt like I was just this alien in, in my little town in Switzerland. And so when I was about 21 and I achieved all the things that were set for me, I worked in a bank, the biggest bank of Switzerland, and I was very successful. I did this apprenticeship. And then I worked for this big multinational corporation and I was very successful and I had this amazing fiance and then I, I had this depression because it was no there was no meaning there was no real deep fulfillment and um, it was the best thing that ever happened to me mm-hmm. and it was very painful but it led me to follow my heart and I had this dream of going to Australia and so I went to Australia and I studied fashion because that's what my instinct just, you know, my intuition just told me. I was very creative, very interested in fashion. And then I found all these other things about life, because when you travel on your own, you learn so much about yourself and about other people and other cultures. And, but I was still young. I was maybe 22, 23. Mm. And again, my intuition led me to go to Vancouver and study political science. And so I went there and I went to university. And again, in Vancouver, I didn't quite fit, like in Australia, I didn't quite fit but I was getting closer, and I was getting closer to really listening to my intuition, to really learning how, what felt good, like what feels good on a deeper level. And uh, one summer in Vancouver, I met a few people from Toronto Mm. that uh, I related to, like they were speaking my language, that I just like on the vibrational level, we got together so, so well, and I, I felt so nourished by our relationship, even for these brief moments that I decided to follow that feeling and and move to Toronto on my own. It's like I moved to Vancouver on my own Mm -hmm. and again learned a lot and transformed so much and I was going to U of T to follow to continue my studies and I switched to sociology and studying culture Mm -hmm. because again I was looking for like how how do people make sense of their life I think now it's all through through culture and symbolism and and even trends and now I'm still interested in how these trends like yoga like shamanism all these things that are very poppy and and are very available and influential in our lives how they determine our beliefs and ultimately our values and what we do with with our lives and and the kind of um, thoughts that we have yeah every everything the the way that we relate to each other I think everything is informed by our, by our culture and so I studied yoga in between from moving from Vancouver to Toronto so I came mm-hmm. here as a yoga teacher with a little bit of experience and uh, yeah I just started to naturally gravitate towards danda yoga Mm. So and that was a pure coincidence and it was also connected to to you because you brought me to the studio who who does ganja yoga and that's just my path you know I was connected to the plant medicine from very young age uh, that is cannabis for for those who who don't know what ganja is and I I think I use ganja very consciously without really knowing what consciousness was how how to be conscious at the time but I always I always uh, knew that I was using it with intention, and as a result, I was having 
lots of downloads and lots of uh, realization about the world, lots of insights were happening. Um, and so combining this with yoga was my path. Mm -hmm. And so this is how I came to be a yoga teacher was using the plant spirit. And uh, so, yeah, that was my journey. And um, I quit my, my studies at university, again, listening to my intuition and using the plant medicine that just told me one day. And it came to me so strongly that it was the thing to do, the sense of inner knowing, mm -hmm. like strong inner knowing that I, I could let go of the fear of not having a job after university or letting go of this false security that I'm in this institution and I'm doing well on the superficial level, so it's good and I should hold on to this. It's like, no, I'm actually um, onto another path and I have to trust this other path. Mm -hmm. And it served me. So after I stopped my studies, I dove right into the community and I spent a lot of time going to these kind of events and learning from other people in the community and doing lots of research, watching videos and reading books. And it led me to do women's circles. So that's mm -hmm. another big thing that, um, that I got a lot of, um, lot of messages to, to continue doing. Um, and some people that are around me that are my oracles uh, always tell me, like, the work that you're doing with women is what you're meant to do. This should be your focus. So now I'm trying, and I feel it too. Mm -hmm. And it's not what I want to do. <laughs> it's not like it's not what I feel the most comfortable doing, but I can feel the pool. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm just trying to integrate all these other things that I'm doing with the plant medicines, with yoga, into the work that I'm doing in my womb circles. Mm -hmm. So I'm just listening. I'm just open, basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there. There's yeah, a lot there. <laughs> I promise there. I won't take as much time <laughs> no, 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 no. It was a big one. No, it's great. Yeah. It's great. And um, I mean, just on a personal note, I, I was quite uh, quite overjoyed to hear that you were stepping away from your studies because when we met, you were like right in it, right? You were studying, you're doing your thing. Um, so I was. I mean, I'm biased. Like, all full disclosure, I left university in my third year. I was straight A student, right? I didn't drop out with bad grades. I like to make that Same. clear, but, but yeah, right. So, but to have yeah, the courage, it takes a lot of courage in this society to walk away from what you said, those false sense of security, mm -hmm. right? Which is just, it's so outdated mm -hmm. at this point, right? It's so outdated. Um, but tying that in, I would love to talk about um, community and, you know, the woman's work that you're doing. Um, and then we'll tie back around, I guess, to, to the, your trip, because I, I want to make sure we get a, some time on that trip. Mm -hmm. um, but there was something, I mean, there's all this talk these days about, you know, the masculine and feminine rebalancing, and how it's happening on a collective scale, and it's happening on an individual scale, an individual level, mm -hmm. right? And we're in the age of Aquarius, right? So there's all these things that are lining up for this to really, um, you know, happen, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I love what you said about it not being what you want to do, mm -hmm. right? I think so often our culture preaches, follow your passion, do what you love, you know, all these sorts of things, which I agree, we have to do things we love, right? You want to have that sense of fulfillment and purpose. Um, but oftentimes, I feel like the way the divine wants to use us is in a very challenging way, mm -hmm. right? To force us to grow or to allow us to grow. 
Um, so surrendering to that, right, which is a very feminine quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious sort of what your experience with that has been and like learning to surrender and learning to trust and sort of just moving forward with trusting that intuition. Mm-hmm. It was foreign to me. I grew up uh, feeling very close to my brother and having mostly guys as my friends. And I, w- I think I'm a very masculine person in, in a way. And people look at me and they see the divine feminine. I often get like, you look so feminine, but I feel like a man. I dream as myself as a man many, many times and often regularly. And uh, I, in my past lives, almost often I, I saw myself as a man. And I had people telling me, even one person told me that I, I've never been a woman before in any other life. Or my, I, th- I think I have, but I, this, it's my, my sense of my own masculine is very strong. Mm. So it was very foreign to me to start studying the feminine. And it started, um, how did it even start? I can't remember how I had this idea. I think it was another Ganja night where I just had the insight, to mm. be honest. I don't remember. But I started reading the book um, from Clarissa Pinkola Estes, mm. uh, Woman, Her One with the Wolves. It's the book that is the most used around the world to do women's circles. And uh, we decided with Jen, uh, who's in the next room doing a massage, uh, to go through a chapter every two weeks with a circle of women and just kind of see what happens from there. And that book changed my life. Like, it's changed a lot of people's life. But for me, it was, again something that I resonated with so deeply because I was already Mm. interested in psychology. I was already in this world of finding meaning through symbols and it just dissects all these myths that we're highly influenced by and that we carry in our own psyche, all these archetypes Mm. we're carrying in our psyche. And it was making sense of it all in a way that was poetic and feminine and mysterious. And I, I was learning about the feminine in... Um, so I was learning a lot and I was getting all these insights and that's what set me on this uh, journey with the women's circles is that I knew every time well it's it's a story right it's it's book every every chapter has a different story so from the stories I started getting all these synchronicities and other women who came to the circle shared these synchronicities and one night for example I had I just knew I had to invoke Isis in the circle. And it sounds crazy, I've never done that. Uh, and, and another woman had the same insight for the circle. Mm. And then I started seeing the patterns. And then we started syncing our circles with the full moon and new moon. And so the moon itself and all the astrological facts around the, the moon are around us uh, also influenced us, influenced the collective, and influenced the circle, and influenced the content. And it was like we were all on this journey together. Mm. And I started feeling that I was just being guided. Mm. And that's the feminine, like you were saying. It's just um, as opposed to with your ego and your mind trying to impose, you know, rationally dissect the... That's what I was doing at the beginning, actually. I was looking at the story because I'm, I'm a scholar, right? <laughs> when you go to university, mm-hmm. like, you have to read something. I was writing like, 
okay, this is the meaning for this symbol, and this is the meaning for this symbol, and then this is the first story, and like all my notes were super organized, and if someone, because we would rotate who's presenting it every time, if the person presenting didn't go through all these points, I would like jump in and be like, so no, like we have to study <laughs> together, like keep up and yeah, then yeah, yeah. do it right. And then I just became open to whatever the circles were gonna be, and realized that sometimes things were gonna come up, that I had no idea and just being mm. okay with that and at first it was really uncomfortable because again the mind the ego wants to control mm -hmm. and so it was not so much the book that taught me I mean the book taught me about the psyche of the feminine and all this mystical realm that is connected to the feminine mm -hmm. but the experience itself of, of letting go of trying to create a particular experience and just trusting that it's going to be exactly what it should be and that the people who are there are the people who are supposed to to be there and what they're gonna get from the circle is exactly what they need. Mm -hmm. That was huge and I'm still really trying to figure out how to do this even more. Yeah, in, in yeah. the yoga classes and any event that I host or, or co-create with people just allowing and following guidance in meditations. And now I use tarot cards to, mm. to ask what should be the topic or what, if I have a doubt about doing something or not, or doing it in a way or another, I'll just ask the cards. Mm. So yeah, just tapping more into the mystical and working with spirit more to be guided, if that makes yeah. sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, maybe not rational sense, mm -hmm. but it's not meant to, mm -hmm. right? It's like, it's called great mystery for a reason. Mm -hmm. Like I love that description of the divine, great mystery, right? Great spirit. It's this thing that we're not meant to understand with our minds. We're meant to experience and really like have a living encounter and relationship with, right? It's this dynamic being that if we're open, right, and we're humble enough to sort of, you know, let ourselves become empty, is what I like to say. It's like, you know, empty me or like use me as a bridge. Like those are the sort of incantations that I'll use in my own, whatever it is, whether I'm making sales calls or I'm leading a workshop, you know, it's like, let me be a bridge. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me be of service here. Mm -hmm. Because um, that's where the magic happens, mm -hmm. right? And you can't plan it. Like it's life is too magical to be made up. Like you can't make this stuff up. It's like the <laughs> best movie that's ever been written. Um, and the more that you tune into that, and the more that you trust that, I find the more frequent it becomes. Mm -hmm. To where every day there's synchronicities and things are lining up. It's like, oh, of course, right? Of course. Like you don't. You're not even surprised anymore. Because that's just the way life and works. And you, you stop telling your friends about it. Mm. <laughs> At first, you're like, I saw this, and I saw it again. And, I, and now you stop. You're just like, yeah, confirmations. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? At first, we're all like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And so, finding that, I'm curious. I, I wanted to get, because I'm familiar um, I mean, I'm a part of a bunch of men's groups and circles and so forth, and I know that the sort of archetypal psychology aspect has been really useful. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a, um, you know, a woman's a fem a feminine side of that. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you could sort of just maybe lay that out quickly and just share a few pieces on each one and like maybe help people see what stage they could mm -hmm. be in, mm -hmm. right, along the way. <laughs> You're being very masculine right now. How can you turn this into... <laughs> it's very funny because I read... Uh, I think you're talking about archetype, masculine archetypes, yeah, feminine yeah, yeah. archetypes. Uh, I read the, the man version, uh, King Morgishan, uh, Morgishan Magician Lover. Lover. And it's like this big. 
and it's very well organized and there's a this diagrams and uh, and it's very easy to understand and so profound like I love mm. the book so well maybe I loved it also because it was so well organized and structured and square and, and like easy mm-hmm. to understand the woman who run with the wolves is this big <laughs> And it's stories. It's much more. It's it's much more poetic, and mm. it leaves more room for interpretation. So that w- is kind of the the two ben- benchmarks because both these books are used to do men men circles and women circles. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried also because my mind wanted to translate the masculine to the feminine. I don't think. I think we need to understand that archetypes, are, there's an infinite amount of ar- archetypes. Mm. There's an infinite amount. It's not just the tarot. It's not just uh, all the myths and, and the gods and goddesses. It's also all the numbers mm. and all the animals and all of the plants and all of the shapes and the colors. And it just goes on and on and on. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's that realm of the mystical you can gather what you want from it and some people say you know this the the moon the moon gives you certain archetype that are the feminine and maybe that helps some people mm-hmm. i personally don't necessarily resonate with only a few archetypes mm. i'm going to be forever learning about archetypes mm. and seeing the commonalities between them all because the masculine ones definitely can be translated like the king queen that's easy um but i haven't found one book that mm. uh, that does that work um, from from these four main archetypes for the ma- masculine into the feminine. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's an easy answer then. <laughs> um, taking a turn, I want to hear about your trip. First of all, what you know inspired you to go down there? What is mm-hmm. shamanic yoga? I guess we could start there. Like, mm-hmm. what is shamanic yoga? I think yoga is shamanic. Mm. That's what resonates with me. Yoga in itself is very shamanic. And I guess we need to... I personally come from the perspective that uh, shamanism is a universal archetype. It's something that we all have within us and that is in the collective consciousness. And it's the archetype that helps us to connect uh, that mystical world, that spiritual world, with our reality. Mm. And it does many other things as well. But that's one of the main roles of the shaman. Mm. And I think the yogi archetype, (laughs) for example, or yoga in general, allows us to do that. And I'm Mm. very passionate about the fact that yoga can be this um, explicitly. So I'm interested in talking about that potential in yoga in my classes, but also to to people in general. I'm writing uh, an article on this right now. how did I call it, yoga as a, as a new religion or something like that, because people are looking for these ways to connect to their own higher self or the divine or getting insights and messages. And I think it happens with yoga. I think it's one of the purposes of yoga. Mm. But the way that yoga is taught now doesn't necessarily allow this understanding for everyone. And maybe it's a good thing. Maybe they just need to come and experience it and have no expectation. Mm. But I found that for me, it's useful to um, go into yoga intentionally so that I can get a certain uh, kind of experience that would, that would allow me to, to cultivate a certain kind of energy. So I teach intentional yoga, for example. 
I teach intentional yoga that, uh, for example, has as an intention to cultivate the feminine. Mm. So then we were exp- we would explore like more creative movements, more sensual movement. And I will briefly say, well, the feminine is also being in the body more. Mm-hmm. So masculine yoga for me, and that's the difference with uh, tantric yoga or hatha yoga, which is more feminine and being in the body and moving and use and really seeing the body as a connection to the divine. And the, the, the kind of yoga that was taught before that was um, exclusively reserved for men, first of all, very masculine, mm-hmm. of course. And it was all about meditation. It was all about the divine. It was all about doing this and trying to transcend and go upwards. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in, in just sharing, you know, how to be in the body more, how to be in with our senses. And I think it's, it's happening naturally. I think mm-hmm. the evolution of yoga is taking it there already. But I'm just, yeah, again, interested in talking about these things as um, in the context of our evolution. Why is this happening now? How is it serving us? How can we make it even more um, even more obvious for people that go into your yoga class that this is the intention is for them to be in their body, for them to connect to the divine, maybe for them to connect to the feminine, or for them to transmit their emotions and, and do that kind of work with more intention. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know, but I love that. I love that. And I've always, I've always noticed that the classes that I've gotten the most out of are the ones where, you know, they really ground us out at the beginning mm-hmm. and ask you to connect to an intention, mm-hmm. right? And to maybe charge it with a color or a shape or yeah. some sort of visual and bring in sort of a multi-sensory experience so that while you're doing the work and you're using the body and cultivating that sort of inner chi or prana or whatever it is, you're charging yourself up that's going into a direction, mm-hmm. right? It's not just you're coming in and you're stretching for an hour, mm-hmm. which is fine if you want to, you know, limber up and feel good. Um, but there's so many more layers to it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's interesting that Western culture has taken yoga, and like most things Western culture takes, it looks at the very superficial sort of level. And so it's become like a workout routine, mm-hmm. right? People think of yoga as a workout. Mm-hmm. Um, when really it's just asana, right? The poses is this one piece of yoga mm-hmm. that we're exposed to. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that women tend to be more drawn to it, right? Something that was made for men, but it's mostly women practicing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to see how Western culture, which has this very masculine driven, you know, um, hierarchical, whatever sort of domineering energy has all of the women taking this other mm-hmm. tool from the east mm-hmm. and like sort of flipping it around and it's just really cool to see. Um, and I think these yoga teachers, a lot of them are doing an amazing job. I just want to mm. say, I think a lot of them are bringing the spiritual into those mainstream yoga studios that are not looking for any kind of preaching. They would not use this word, you know, the spiritual uh, or they're very careful about you know trying to keep it clean mm-hmm. and then there's these beautiful yoga teachers and I say beautiful in, in a very inspiring way and and that was what also led me to take yoga is just meeting this yoga teacher that I could just feel her energy and she was uh, connected to the teachings that she was transmitting in the class without mm-hmm. teaching just by saying a few words or just in the pose that she would use and the experience that she would bring you and that mm. connects you to the higher self. And I think maybe there was like some, some subliminal messages at the end that just transformed me forever. It just seemed that, mm. yeah, 
I think a lot of people are looking for these kind of spiritual experiences now when they go to to yoga mm -hmm. and that's the true healing of yoga it's not just in moving and moving is great like I, I think the body is beautiful and so sacred and every time mm -hmm. you move and especially when you move intuitively intuitively you're gonna heal yourself mm -hmm. but there's also all the chanting of yoga there's also all the prayers and the devotional aspect of yoga and all the deep meditations that you can do and all the pranayama that is very shamanic and that would allow people to go even deeper in their connection to the divine or in you know, going into different state of consciousness to bring back certain messages and have these kind of transformative experience mm -hmm. that sometimes are offered but could be used even more. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where yoga could potentially evolve and this is what I like to teach as a, as a yoga teacher personally, is mm -hmm. a yoga that includes more of these elements because uh, they're all part of the shamanic culture as well. You know, doing journeying, shamanic journeying is basically guided meditation using the breath, using the sexual energy, using the qualities of the divine masculine and feminine is very shamanic, using sound, very shamanic. And you find all of these things in yoga as well. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to rediscover the true essence of yoga and potentially the true essence of, of shamanism too that is not just restricted to these particular traditions. You know, and you think that for sure, like I totally respect the title of the shaman as well and going there and having an initiation and I truly respect these people who work on themselves all their life to be able to have this certain role and status and this heavy responsibility for their communities mm -hmm. but I think that we can all also embrace a broader understanding of shamanism and incorporating these, uh, these deep teachings into our lives to help us understand reality in a way that is connected to spirits so that we can all tap into the kind of healing and the kind of things that we can do with our intentions, with our thoughts, with doing little ceremonies for ourselves, with all these tools, all these tools using sounds, using different words, mm -hmm. affirmations. Yeah. So it's huge potential through yeah. yoga and just in our daily lives. Yeah, well, it seems like, you know, we're in, we're in this time where everything's becoming increasingly interconnected. Right, and there's so many people that are finding each other and finding similar pursuits or interests or that calling. Right, it's like we're being called to something, and I think it's it's the responsibility of people like yourself or myself or anyone who's on this sort of a path to be a bridge, mm -hmm. right? Because the, the the hardcore traditionalism doesn't make sense in the modern world, right? It's not meant for this time, but it has the essence and the principles that once internalized and then, you know, integrated into our lives here, it's a lot more accessible, mm -hmm. right? And I think if this is ever going to be like a mass movement, right, if we're ever going to get to that sort of unity, more communal sort of existence, um, it has to make sense in people's daily lives, mm -hmm. right? And so finding ways to integrate that and to make it, um, you know, become a source of community and significance and purpose and belonging and all these deep things that we need as humans, mm -hmm. right? That we've experienced through, in particular, the yoga community mm -hmm. or through, you know, these various communities that we're tuned into. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I like that. What was, and so you did 300 hours, mm -hmm. I believe, of, of study and training in the course of a month? Yeah. Okay, so what does a day look like? on that sort of a schedule 
It's insane. Okay, I wake up at 5.30 in the morning before the sunrise. I'm in an echo village, so mm. there's no electricity. It's a self-sustainable, and I'm in the jungle, in the mountain. And so I have the most beautiful view from my little um, tent. Um, that I, I had a tent on my own, which mm. was really good, because I could do things on my own at night. And I would just like get up, and some mornings I had to ring the bell for everyone, so you just ring the bell. And that in itself is just like shaking away all the energies, you know, like, wow, it's really powerful. And then six o'clock meditation for half an hour. And uh, we were exploring a lot of different types of meditation. Mm. Um, and then we would do yoga for two hours. So asanas uh, with more meditation at the end, shavasana. Um, and that was led by a different teacher every time. And the teachers that we have were amazing, very, um, very experienced and skilled yoga teachers that all have their different specialties. So one of them, my, uh, our philosophy teacher, for example, he would like tell stories doing the yoga class. And mm. he was a sound healer as well. So um, his were a little bit more slower pace, but then he would incorporate all these things that would just like make you feel completely transformed at the end, and like you really went through this journey. Mm. Um, and then nine o'clock we had uh, breakfast, and all the morning was in silence. The breakfast was silence as well. Uh, at ten fifteen we had our or ten o'clock we had our philosophy class for two hours, and we would break the silence with a meditation. At first, the meditation went from ten minutes, and at, by the end of the month, it was um, up to an hour. So we wor worked our way towards a meditation practice that's pretty, pretty serious. Like an hour meditation mm -hmm. is pretty good, and then explore sacred texts. That is part of the yogic path too. So. Uh, traditional texts. There was the Bhagavad Gita, the Yoga Sutras, etc. Um, and then we had lunch, and then we had another class at two o'clock that was more um, the uh, yoga therapy or more practical ways how to teach yoga and looking at into the poses. And then after that, we just had a ten-minute break, and then straight after we had another class that was uh, the healings in yoga. Mm. So we had, for example, a bit of Thai massage, we, sh we had shamanic healing, we had Reiki, those different means of uh, incorporating healing into your yoga. And then uh, we had dinner and sometimes that was the end of the day, so that's 10 hours later. And sometimes there was a ceremony or a circle at the end. Mm. And the ceremonies could be like a new moon ceremony, a fire ceremony. We also had our program divided into the three worlds. So we had the lower world, which is connected to the serpent, and I think they had a tradition from Peru that they were following with these kind of teachings and way of invoking the different worlds and the different sacred animals connected to these worlds, and the middle world and the upper world. Mm. And uh, yeah, that was it. And by the end of the night, you were so tired, you just wanted to go to bed. Mm. And uh, we only had three days off for the whole month, so it was like... Wow. super intense <laughs> wow. and so much things were happening to me that I didn't have time to process that by the end I felt like I was not myself anymore like I was just yeah it was very intense I can't even articulate it mm. as an experience but it was a lot of shadow work personally my journey was very difficult because it brought up so much emotions and um darkness in me to be honest mm. so much so much of my shadow came up 
that I don't see here in my community because everyone loves me <laughs> and like, I'm more comfortable, it's my vibration, all the things that we do together. And suddenly you're isolated in the jungle with a group of, it was 15 people taking the training and four facilitators. And yeah, it's just you yourself and shadow work and yoga. Mm. But what frustrated me the most, to be honest, and I think maybe what brought up all these these things was that we didn't have much means to express ourselves. We were sitting and listening to someone talk the whole time. Mm. And there was, by the end, we were facilitating some ceremonies or co-facilitating, but that was not enough for me. <laughs> mm. because, and that's something that... It was my teaching, basically. I learned so much going there through, through what I experienced. But one of the main things is what I'm, what I'm telling you now about the intuition. Following your intuition, your inner guidance, and expressing that, that I think is what we're here to do on Earth. And the fact that I couldn't do that, and this is what I do full-time in Toronto, was very hard for me. And, yeah, I just had lots of moments of, of crying. Mm. <laughs> crying on my own. Wow. Yeah. That sounds intense. Mm-hmm. That sounds intense. Yeah, when you were saying that by the end you like weren't yourself, I had this visual of like a sponge, right? And it's like you can, a sponge can only absorb so much, and then you're just like pouring water on a wet sponge, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like oftentimes in school, in work, in whatever it is, we're so focused on cramming more in, right? Mm. Learn more, memorize more, put more in, more, 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 more. Um, that you just become like, it's too much, right? Mm-hmm. It's too much. And rather than taking a little piece and really chewing on it and digesting mm-hmm. it and integrating it and making it like real in your life and then taking another piece, yeah. right? Um, which I think is a much less sexy way of going about things. And in, in our culture of like more is better, it doesn't really work. Um, and I mean, your training would have taken like a year probably if you went at that sort of a pace. So it's it's hard to find that that sort of balance, I guess. But um, but yeah, having the time for expression, right? I, uh, were you able to like journal during this time? No, no, no journal. Okay, so it's just like raw mm-hmm. going in and. I just took notes from the class and and my own insights from the content. Mm. But uh, it felt very unnatural for me now that I'm because I think. It's like giving someone all their freedom, all the freedom that they want. You know, I'm studying what I'm interested in now. It's not like I quit my studies and I stopped learning. Mm-hmm. I'm just really now all my time is spent in doing what I love and what I feel like and what I feel called to. Mm. So suddenly putting me in a program where I was just taught a certain way, uh, it was it was really hard. Like I just, mm. I found so much resistance, but in a way it was my ego as well. So, yeah, finding, I guess, the balance between... Because you have to be humble. Like, you're learning about these very ancient techniques and sacred texts. Like, who are you to come and criticize them? Mm. I had something to say about (laughs) ancient sacred texts because some of it was written in that very masculine way that I felt was not relevant to me. Mm. And just listening to someone talk about these these principles that I don't agree with for an hour and not feeling like I could really express myself in these these classes, that was very difficult for me. And I think slowly that just made me very introverted and feeling, again, inadequate, like I was feeling in Switzerland. Just, mm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, and that's the whole thing with, you know, the shadow work and diving into the darkness. 
um, is that oftentimes we're faced with this really, you know, um, raw and sort of traumatic and early in life experiences or the way I see it, that's when our beliefs are really installed, right? Mm-hmm. Like the ages of like zero to seven, we're just like an open canvas and all these things are getting in and we don't have any choice in the matter, right? And so we get programmed with these various things. They might be empowering, they might be disempowering, but we don't have a choice, right? And then later in life, it's the things that trigger us that are then, you know, the invitation to look deeper and to bring light to that darkness, mm-hmm. right? And I love that you shared the piece on... Um, there's really, I feel like there's an aversion to that, to doing that in a real true sense, um, because it's not fun, right? People want to feel good and you get all this like, you know, we're supposed to be blissful and enlightened and loving all the time. And it's like, I don't know, I'm still human. Mm. Like I want to have the contrast, Mm -hmm. right? I don't think we're meant to just, you know, be peace and bliss and, you know, love bombs all the time. Mm -hmm. But to have the contrast and to be able to integrate, to become more whole, which is what my experience of shamanism and the shamanic worldview has really uh, done for me is, is created a more whole uh, feeling and understanding of like my place as a human within you know, the earthly family, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. I love that, that you were able to have that experience mm-hmm. um, and to share you know, that that's what you went through and it was hard. And because um, people need to know? Right, mm-hmm. and I feel like oftentimes, the it's like the whole thing. You don't make a diamond without pressure, mm-hmm. right? You can't get to the real good essence without letting go of some of the. And it's the fastest way to transform too. Is to go through an experience that's almost traumatic in a way that will trigger all these things and these emotions. That teaches you mm-hmm. more than anything else can teach you. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I'd like to to share. Um, is, well, the first thing is that I have to admit I have much more respect and I have much more respect and um, I don't know what the other word is that I'm looking for, but I really acknowledge the shadow now and I and the darkness in the world. I really, it's not like I'm afraid of it, but I, I really acknowledge it. As in Toronto, so much of the work that we're doing is about um, loving each other and hugging each other and that's so needed too. But I think that sometimes I was naive of certain things mm. about people, for example, things that came out later that I didn't see because I just wanted to see the light in them. Mm. Um, and the second thing that I want to share is that I had as an intention when I went into this training to go through an initiation. Mm. And when you go through depression, when you go through darkness and pain, is often an initiation um, into that kind of underworld and I feel like I'm almost still processing that but that was that was for sure an initiation and one thing that happened to me that almost that actually reminded me that I had this intention because I didn't really pause and and wrote it down my intention is to have an initiation I kind of just threw it out there but the universe is listening I had a scorpion climbing on me one night in the middle of the night, I was sleeping, and I was in a house. I was not, like, camping or anything. The scorpion climbs on me, and it wakes me up from my dream. Like, I was dreaming, and it wakes me up because it's such a horrible feeling to have this thing climbing on you. And so I, 
I, I tried to like grab it and, and throw it away and it bit me in my hand and then it bit me here as it was running away and it bit me three times in total in my ankle as well. And that was the one of the like strongest initiation that I had because the pain from a scorpion bite is one of the most painful thing that you'll ever experience in your life. Mm. There's nothing comparable and it was a big scorpion too. Mm. Uh, and there's the venom as well so what it does is that it makes your lips tingle straight away so that's why I knew it wasn't a, a spider because I didn't see it at first mm. so my lips started tingling I was crying from the pain and I can take a lot of pain mm -hmm. but this was the most pain I was crying straight away I just needed ice and so I iced it for maybe four hours and it was still so painful as it was in the ice the hand was the worst mm. And then eventually I had to like remove it from the ice and I just like, I, I couldn't believe the amount of pain that I was experiencing. And I had to relax within this feeling mm. of the most excruciating pain that I ever felt. I had to relax and surrender. And then it disappeared. Very soon after I did that, it just went away. Mm. And then I was, I had this venom all over me and the way it feels is that, is that things are like, vibrating like you feel your organs vibrating inside of you your nervous system is impacted so you feel like you can't walk anymore it lasted about 24 hours and uh, and what it does because your whole body's vibrating is that it makes you super present you're in the body you don't have any other you can't even think clearly because your nervous system is impacted and you feel all these things in your body so it's a very shamanic experience. It's a very like clear initiation into like this something that you just need to process right now and this just happened to you and there's a lesson there and then you have all these things coming to you because you're kind of in a trance. And the next night I had the most beautiful dreams I've ever had. They were lucid dreams. I was talking to angels. There were so many messages that was coming to me about our human mm. potential. So yeah. I just wanted to share this experience with yeah. you guys because I think that was pretty incredible and it really it really showed me the beauty and the pain and the need to go through all this pain sometimes and to really respect the these kind of heart hardship that we need to go through too and mm -hmm. and, and take the medicine from these places as well. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Did they have medical staff at this place? <laughs> or they're just like, oh, just ice it. I would think you'd need like anti-venom right? or something. Like, because we don't know, it. right? We're yeah. just scared of scorpion because the yeah. way they look. And I had to see it. Like I saw it afterwards. It was so scary. Like they look, mm. like, they look like the scariest thing for good reason, I think. Because they're, yeah. they're like a teacher from that kind of underworld, if you ask me. Yeah. And... Um, and we're so afraid because we don't know, right? And we're mm. taught to just like from movies, we're taught we're going to die and you have to go to a hospital. But actually, it's not that dangerous. Mm. Almost nobody died from, um, I mean, in the area where I was, yeah, you don't yeah, yeah. die from a scorpion bite. It's just you feel like you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> unless you're a child and then you have you to could. take them to the hospital or unless you're allergic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which I'm not. Okay. Wow. No, that's the perfect example, right? The perfect, like, microcosmic example of, like, pain, darkness, you know, fear, suffering, and then right on the other side, 
you know, talking to angels mm-hmm. and having lucid dreams. It's like so clear, right? The opposition. And I always love that. I really rejoice when people tell me that they're having like a breakdown, mm-hmm. which it might seem a little bit sadistic. But it's because I know you have to break down to break through, right? And if they, if, if they work with it, it's an invitation into something so much greater. And, you know, the degree to which we allow ourselves to go into the pain and the darkness is, I think, also the degree we allow ourselves to experience the ups and the highs and the love and the connection. Um, so that's, yeah, thank you. That's mm-hmm. an awesome story. That's thank incredible. Mm-hmm. Was that after the training or during? After. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. It was not long before I left. It was like, ah, oh, by the way, that's the last, uh, one of the last things. Your going away gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, the last, last one was meeting with this crone lady that's a, a Mayan shaman, mm. like a female Mayan shaman from Guatemala that does a lot of beautiful work. And she's a true teacher. So she's this older woman and she doesn't really teach, actually. <laughs> she just tells stories and she makes you think because she'll never answer any question that you have. <laughs> this kind of you know yeah so that yeah I learned a lot just being in in her energy and mm. um, in her wildness like these some of these elders are just so connected to nature like they're so wild and free and it just makes you feel like this is a natural thing actually and some other people see it as crazy just because you're using like she was for example she used she finished a mango and she was like and this is the best part about eating a mango and then she rubs it all over her face (laughs) i guess i should do that too like that's awesome but it's just like so wild and free but we should use these medicines she just know you know yeah well i it makes me think of you know um because most of us are what I would call domesticated humans, right? We're cut off from our wildness. And we live in these cities and civilization and we don't connect to our own food. And, you know, it's very domesticated. So similar if you have like a little chihuahua looking at a wolf, you know, like devouring a carcass in the wild. Mm -hmm. It's like, what are you doing? Because he's like, you know, I eat kibble. Or, you know, where's my owner on the leash? Like, we're we're so conditioned to be um, like self... Regulating, right? It's like, don't rock the boat, don't stand out, you know, fit in, you know, all that sort of stuff. So when you see these people that they just don't care, right? They just don't care and they're so connected and they just live it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so refreshing. Mm-hmm. So refreshing. And on that note, I wanted to have you lead us in a sort of experiential taste mm-hmm. um, and whatever it is that you want to share whether it's a meditation, some mudras, some breath work, anything, just so we can, you know, us here and those watching, you know, as long as you're not listening to this while you drive or do something like that, you know, you can maybe close your eyes and tune in. So uh-huh. I'd love to just give you this opportunity to... Okay. So I'll just introduce this first. So I believe that we, we're all uh, yogis in a way. We can all be in our body and feels what feels good for us. And from this place will know what to do. So I love dancing. And when I dance, I do lots of movements that I found afterwards are, are similar to movements that you would find in Qigong or Tai Chi or some yoga mudras. So there are some that came to me intuitively also because we're all connected to uh, the collective consciousness that has all these informations too. So what I, l- what I would love to do even more in the women's circles that I do in my yoga t- um, my yoga classes is to teach people how to tap into their 
inner knowing of what to do with their hands or maybe giving them a few tools but these things came naturally and I'd like to share it with you because for me that's the most authentic things right because I'm not just reading from a book what to do it just came into my body and it felt like I was I just felt what it was doing to me as I was doing it and I think every yoga posture has this feeling of what it's doing to your body and the kind of message that it's sending to the universe that we all intuitively know and can feel. So the one thing that I learned actually in Guatemala and that I was already doing in my dancing a lot is this infinity symbol with our hands. And the way I was taught it, in, I, was, I was taught in Guatemala was that uh, you can start like this so we can all do it together. And then we're like carrying a cup of tea, he was saying. So then you want to keep the cup. Uh, sorry, sorry. So you're coming in front with the cup of tea, and then you're holding it here, and then you're holding it on the side. So it's kind of like this Egyptian hand shape as well. And before you know it, if you do it a little bit more fluidly, you're creating an infinite shape. But you want to keep your, the palms of your hands facing up. And when we're focusing on moving our mind, especially while well, this is a little bit more simple, uh, he was doing it a hand doing the other side at the time. So you can, ex you can experiment with that as well. And yeah, it's a little bit, My brain it's is a little short bit complicated. And then he did it the opposite side, so you can try different things. And... So your brain is not focusing on thinking, so you're present with the movement. So that's in a, a form of meditation. Mm. But for me, this shape in itself is so sacred. You can feel the very feminine vibration that it's creating with these circles and the feeling that it gives you to do that, just the way it looks and the way it feels in your hands. So... That's a sort of moving meditation that I found interesting because it's not taught a lot, and I haven't taught in my class, but it's just, yeah, it's intuitive, and it feels like they're having an Egyptian yoga class. I feel like maybe they're doing things like that, like <laughs> right next to Yeah, yeah, right so, behind us, there's a comedic yoga going on. And what I do in my dancing is this particularly, so you can just, mm. um, and I do lots of different variations. Sometimes I do it with my whole arm. And I feel like I'm doing energy work when I'm doing that, just creating a certain quality of energy in my, mm. in my field mm -hmm. that I found is just almost soothing. I don't know how to describe it, but... Uh, yeah. It's like you're painting with an energetic brush and sort of creating, mm -hmm. creating patterns and beauty yeah. and bringing harmony into your space mm -hmm. and... Yeah, I feel like it won't be long before we have cameras that can see all this. I mean, they mm -hmm. already have Caribbean photography, so we can actually see, you know, what it is we're doing. And one, another thing that I do when I dance a lot, and it's not a yoga thing, but I think it's amazing. I can help by doing it because I, it just comes to me so naturally, but I feel like it is a thing. <laughs> it's to carrying a ball of energy. So I just roll. Oh, he does a thing in Tai Chi, I think. Mm. They, they create this ball. Qigong I remember doing well. in Qigong, yeah, or Tai Chi. I did a mm -hmm. class and they taught it. So you're rolling a ball of energy, basically. And what I like to do in my dancing is that I just 
make it bigger and then I do it with my arms then you can roll it on your shoulder <laughs> and take it around and make it smaller and I can dance like this for a full full song and then I'll place the ball of energy sometimes I send it into the collective and sometimes I place it in my solar plexus because mm. it's where we store all the prana mm -hmm. so yeah basically it's Yoga is, is beautiful and all these very traditional yoga things um, like, you know, sitting in, in lotus. I, I think that should be honored and respect and I, I definitely go there and mm -hmm. when I want to go deep. But there's all these other tools that can be explored that we can incorporate into our own yoga mm -hmm. that I feel should be, yeah, should be tapped into more, especially when it comes to working with energies because there's lots of energy work that we can do. And I think that's coming too. People are integrating Reiki in the yoga classes. And yeah. So for me, that's like a huge potential there for healing mm -hmm. that uh, is being open, so. Yeah, and I've heard even there's hospitals in Toronto that they're having Reiki practitioners doing their thing. So like everything is integrating, right? You know, hospital, that's like the most, you know, Western, you know, mind-driven sort of thing. And they have, you know, Reiki practitioners. Um, and it, to tie this back into, you know, the whole concept of biohacking and holistic health um, is that I, I also respect, you know, the ability to sit and, you know, meditate. And I can't do a full lotus. Like, my hips are still working on it. But um, in a culture where so many people are so sedentary, right, people, the majority of people are sitting at a desk for their job. The last thing we should be doing is making them sit some more when they go to yoga class, mm. right? In my eyes, I want to get as much movement as possible. So I love that. You know, it's this dynamic sort of meditative process. And so many people just, they try a seated meditation once and they hate it and their mind doesn't shut up and it's hard and it's like, what am I supposed to be doing? And then you never do it again. So what's the point, right? So having these tools where it can be so simple and so subtle, mm -hmm. but give you that point of concentration, which is what meditation really is. It's concentrating um, in a way that you know brings more fluidity mm -hmm. into your experience mm -hmm. is so cool. And then the other really cool piece is that our brains, just the way our brains work, right? The reason we have these amazing brains is because we're the most sophisticated movers on the planet, right? Human beings are the most sophisticated movers that we are aware of. We have so much range and capability. And literally, your brain makes new connections every time you force yourself. Like when we were doing the, the double side, I can feel. Anytime you feel like kind of dumb and like it's struggling, that's a good feeling. Rejoice because that's going to keep you young, right? If you can keep having that feeling, your brain is going to be young until the day you die. And you're going to be able to learn things easier. Mm -hmm. um, so I love, I love that you're bringing all these pieces together in your experiences. Mm -hmm. And I just want to stress again the the energy. Like mm. a lot of spiritual practice nowadays is meant to resensitize our nervous system so that we can feel energy in our body. But it's not taught that way. If you do vipassana, they tell they talk about body scanning. But what it's doing is that by focusing energy goes where attention energy flows where attention goes right mm -hmm. so when you're focusing on one thing you're bringing energy there and this is the healing that's happening it's so 
we're very desensitized nowadays with our lifestyle, with being in our mind a lot, with all the chemicals that we're eating, um, caffeine, all of these things don't help. But by meditating, you're resensitizing your body mm. so that you can start feeling these, these energies and then you can do energy work on yourself mm. and you can just send energy in a certain area of your body as soon as you pay attention to this part. So mm -hmm. I love this idea in yoga to just really let people do this kind of work. You know, after you get them to sing, to do a meditation, resensitize them, and then use this potential that we have human beings to, to really uh, feel where the energy is. And mm -hmm. by, um, by training yourself to do that, you can, you can be more in touch with your body and your own intuition. You'll start feeling when energy is stuck and you'll start knowing by breathing through this area or focusing on this area, you'll have messages maybe coming to you and maybe not, maybe it'll be vis visions or maybe it'll just be this pain that you need to experience to be able to release these blockages. Mm -hmm. So you can do this in a yoga class, but everyone can do this on their own just by having this basic understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the ultimate form of personal empowerment, mm -hmm. I think right? So, yeah. And like self-mastery or like mm -hmm. becoming a sovereign human being, mm -hmm. right? And putting energy in your food, like in your water, all of these attentions, mm. intentions going into other people too when you do a prayer, like all these things are real. And this is what the shamanic, uh, the shaman archetypes, I think, teach, teach us, is that all these things are so powerful and just by having the having a, a positive or negative thought about someone that is energy that you're sending them like all these things are real to some level so we have to be mm -hmm. aware we have to be aware sometimes when someone is cursing you just because they're looking at you in a certain way like it is a thing and I think for me it's helpful to know that it's happening on this level and I can empower myself to to not identify with the feelings that they maybe sent me or the energy that they sent me and to mm -hmm. be able to let it go because I know it's them, it's what happened, it's not me. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. To wrap, before we get into the Q&A, and I mean, I feel like we could talk for hours here and I'll have to have it around two at some point. Um, <laughs> but I would love to get your sort of top three resources or tools, maybe things you're working with currently or things that have been very, very informative or impactful in your life, whether it's a book, a documentary, an experience, mm. what might those be? I mean, I already mentioned Woman Who Run With The Wolves. I think, yeah, working with archetypes and uh, dissecting all these myths um, helps you to then see all these things in your life and your dreams and in the movies <laughs> and then uh, dissecting these messages uh, interpreting these messages very empowering mm. um, what other books? I don't know there's so many there's so many ones but I want to see cool things <laughs> Yeah, because I like to read just like very straight to the point kind of books too. Mm. Um, I don't know what now, right? It's okay. You put me on the spot. Maybe we we'll just use one. That's but all I we can, need. Yeah, one, 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 I think every man and woman should read this book. 
Mm. Um, it's on my list. Yeah. yeah. But right now, it's also, as I mentioned, a lot of um, the wisdom that is coming to me is coming to me, <laughs> mm. if that makes sense. So I'm very interested, and in, it started in Guatemala, this journey of like introspection and finding um, what is true to me in my practice and doing, doing these things, and then doing research around what these things are, perhaps. But sometimes, honestly, the, the knowledge, for example, I'll just give you one example. I kept receiving these these messages about honey and connecting to the energy of honeybees mm. and I just had a vision one night of like covering myself in honey and just like I knew that I had to do this and it sounds crazy right I felt like it was it's this ancient Egyptian practice I have no idea I'm in this area there's tons of beekeepers and I'm staying at a place they have like beehives mm. but I'm still not putting pieces together Right when I was a kid, I was also obsessed with honey for no reason. But I'm still like mm, going about my journey in Guatemala, and by the end, I just knew. I talked to this woman about it, and she said, "Ah, oh, that's a very, very shamanic healing to do to put honey on your on your body." So I was like, "Okay," and I went to the market, and of course, it just came to me. I found this this beautiful bottle filled with pure local honey, mm. and I did it. And as I was doing it. I got all these information about how to do it because you're following your intuition and then you're getting more guidance mm. because spirit just wants you to do these things. You're meant to do these things. Mm-hmm. And I was, with my, I was doing it with my partner at the time, so I couldn't go really deep into the messages that I was receiving. But I did it again and again. I received even more guidance. And then all these other pieces came together of um, I studied Ayurvedic techniques in my training and I totally forgot about that. And mm. some of these um, practices included honey. So I just tried them again, putting honey in your eyes, brushing your teeth with honey. Um, <laughs> so I tried all these things and making a honey elixir. And I was just so, yeah, we have much more inner wisdom and, mm. and um, knowing, inner knowing and um, yeah, intuition than we think. And we need to trust this. So right now I'm on this path of really listening to that and and I have to be transparent using ganja intentionally has helped me to do this work a mm. lot but at some point um, you also stopped needing it it just helps you to go deeper but you're always kind of open because you know how these things work and you see signs all the time not only mm. um, when you're working with the, the plant medicine so this is this is my resource for you is mm. to find it in yourself <laughs> i love it yeah i love it that's great mm-hmm. so before we open for questions i just want to thank you mm-hmm. and take a minute to acknowledge you for the teacher that you are and the woman that you are and the community builder that you are um it's just been a pleasure to get to know you more and to share time and to share yoga classes and ganja experiences and all these different types of learning so thank you and please keep doing it and keep sharing that and keep being sort of this pillar for you know evolution Mm, thank you and i'd love to acknowledge you for having this thing that is helping everyone to gain so much knowledge from all these people doing amazing things in the community Mm. right and then it's a platform also for you to bring your own wisdom because i know you have lots of things to share Mm. so thank you for putting these together my pleasure my pleasure Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs)
Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for holding it down and everyone here for coming out and sharing this time and space. It means a lot. And I think that these are important things to talk about, to bring more awareness to. And so clearly you agree, otherwise you wouldn't be here. And so, uh, yeah, thanks everybody. And that's it for this week. from the evening dreaming about all the homies I believe in I have so much time to think I got sisters who are mothers and brothers who are fathers to me Sleep and let the stars have their way with me tonight.